Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of The Grind podcast. Uh, With me in the studio today is always the lovely Chad Grigsby. Good to be here, Dave. What's up, Chad? Live in the studio. Live in the studio. Doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. It doesn't. This we're we're having a fortunate week this week. Feels uh, good. We're actually recording three podcasts this week, so we got some special episodes coming up. And so Chad is in the studio all week this week. And we're excited about that. So sorry, guys. Yeah, he's live and not Memorex. <laughs> uh, do they even make Memorex anymore? I just <laughs> I just dated myself really heavy. That's terrible. For all of you who do not know where Memorex is, it was. A recording uh, thing called a cassette, and you could take a record and uh, and record it onto cassette. So this has got real dumb real quick. So sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. This is what you pay for, uh, you know, these kind of things. So and we also have Nick, uh, our lovely production minister, with us as well. Uh, who ran a half marathon this week, so he's barely moving. Yeah. And uh, his legs have turned into stone, and uh, he's hobbling around like an 84-year-old man. Been so, using the elevator a lot. He too, has been, yeah, yeah. Steps are, are too big of a challenge right now. And uh, so uh, you will recover, Nick, I promise. Hopefully sanity will kick in and you'll never do that again. <laughs> but I'm not sure that's possible for you. So uh, anyway, excited to have him here. And then also live in the studio, our buddy, our pal, Neil Scoggins. Good old Uncle Neil. Uncle Neil. Good morning, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> Today on the podcast, we're going to hear a story from... It's because my lips are so big. I'm trying to talk over the lips that are right there in front of me. My wife tells me I have no lips. <laughs> she says, even when you try and stick out your lips, there's just nothing there. And I'm like, okay, thanks, sweetie. Thanks for the love. That's right. That's there right. I go. need some Botox or some collagen implants or something. <laughs> So, man, this just took a turn, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, just real bad. Yeah, real, real, real quick. Real quick. So yeah. we are all live in the studio this week, so this ought to be fun cool. and uh, excited about what we're going to get to talk about today. <laughs> so uh, uh, any any big events in your lives that you'd like to talk about on this intro part? I can't think of a thing, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, uh, I guess I went back to my seminary alma mater, yeah. Spoken Chapel, which yeah. is fun. You know, good to go back. And yeah. I think Steve Bell was was there was he? uh yeah a couple he was weeks yeah ago. a few was last yeah, maybe in like january so. yeah i think it was, it was a, either at the end of the year last year or the maybe, beginning of the year this was, year i can't yeah. remember he was there not too long ago so we uh we did a whole weekend thing celebrated ezra's fourth birthday and then our anniversary was yesterday seven year anniversary so it was Cool. Maybe some pretty important <laughs> stuff. To you want to rethink your opening? Yeah, what I meant was some very important milestones. That <laughs> yeah. That's what I meant. Jessica, if you're listening to this, he really does love you. She's not listening, so She's we're not. good. <laughs> so, so Jessica doesn't listen to your podcast. I don't think so. She Christy, tried, Christy yeah. doesn't listen either. No, no. I don't. No, really. Yeah, our wives don't care about wow. us. Wow. So uh, yeah. this will probably be the one they listen to now. Watch. We'll be in trouble. Yeah. We'll be in yeah. trouble. Hope yeah. y'all got a pickup truck because right. y'all going to be sleeping outside. So, Neil, is Erin going to listen to this podcast? She doesn't listen to me. So, uh, <laughs> See? You know. 
So you're in good company. Yeah, right. but, you know, that's why we hang out. That's right. Yeah. And now that you've said that, you're going to make sure she doesn't I, listen there to you this. Yeah. That's right. Aaron, I'm sorry and on Neil's behalf. Uh, he does love you. That's right. I do. Wait, when is Valentine's Day? Oh, it's over. That's yeah, right. I'm okay. Yeah, you're good. You're, yeah, you're good. good till birthday. There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I had a pretty relaxing, boring weekend, which was awesome because it's been a really busy year. And yeah. so uh, yeah. uh, I did come up here on Friday and do a little bit of work, but it was I was the only one in the office, and so it was kind of nice and quiet. Uh, and then did, didn't do anything Saturday. <clears throat> so preached a little bit Sunday, but uh, it was a good weekend. Cool. Neil, That's you? Cool. You know what? I uh, I've been on funeral patrol lately, oh, dude. I, yeah, I was in Delhi, Louisiana, mm. this wow. past weekend. Yeah, so I did that, and then had to come right back, and then had a meeting on Saturday at Euler, and all of that. I got another one later on this week. So yeah, oh, man. So yeah. So evidently, Funerals. people are dying every day. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't, Weird. Who knew? Strange. How you that know, happens. they say one out of every one person dies. Yeah. So that's a new. Not, that must not, be a new stat. Not great odds. Yeah. yeah there yeah. you go. Yeah. Mortality rate amongst humanity is 100%. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Golly, frightening. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. It's okay. We just just gotten silly. Yeah, there just you go. Just gotten silly. There you go. So, no, we're excited to have Neil in the studio today. And uh, God's just done some amazing things uh, with him and through him with uh, City of Refuge and Little Rock. And so we're going to kind of hear about his story there and talk about some some really cool things that are going on in Arkansas, I think, you know, with our churches and and uh, diversity amongst our churches growing. And, and so we're real excited about that. So Neil, just kind of start off and just kind of talk about your ministry journey, you know, leading up to and including planting the City Ooh, of Refuge. Man, I tell you, I... Um... I was allergic to church for a very long time. I just, I did not like church at all. <clears throat> My father was a, uh, I guess it would be considered like a minister of music now, but he was just a choir director, but he did it for all of the choirs. Cause in a black church, you have like 17 choirs. Yeah. With the same 10 people. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what you, so he, he directed the choirs. And so I had to go to church. He sang with Art Porter. And I don't know, if, not Art, Art Porter Jr.'s dad. So he was a major jazz guy yeah. in, the, in the city. So I uh, had a group called the Art Porter Singers. So they were, that was the first time I heard the Messiah, ha uh, Handel's Messiah. So my daddy sang the Messiah. So I used to go around and do all that. Did not like church at all. And accepted Christ when I was nine years old. Uh, I was actually a part of the Methodist church hmm. uh, back then. And then I accepted him for real when I was like 22. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, no knock yeah. against the Methodist church, but it was just... <laughs> It's just a little different. It's not what it but, sounded uh, like. Yeah, we'll give you. We'll give you a benefit <laughs> yeah. of the doubt. Sorry to my Methodist yeah. listeners the Methodist out there. Yeah, yeah. There we do go. have a couple. And, uh, yeah, we used well. to have a couple. There you go. <laughs> there Nick you works. Go. I'm talking to you, buddy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, twenty twenty two years old man accepted Christ and uh, took off and uh, was in a church uh, that was kind of in the hood in the south end of Little Rock. Got baptized there and. Uh, I uh, felt a call from God there as well. Felt it before, but ran and actually got in radio to keep from, check this out. So to keep from going to church, I got a job that I knew I would have to work every Sunday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got a job at a radio station. 
Christian radio station. Oh wow! So you know, you know, like like Frank Minnith, Minnith and Ernie Meyer, or yeah. whatever those guys, and uh, what was it got? Chuck Swindoll, yeah. Jay Vernon McGee. So I would hear this stuff over and over again. Yeah. So God has a you know sense of humor. Yeah. So. Around expository preaching. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> all of the time. And yeah. biblical counseling with yeah, Minnith and Meyer. All the time, uh, yeah. dude. And Bob Larson. I don't know if you know him. Oh, Bob, Bob Larson. Larson, dude. It was oh, for me. Goodness. It was comedy. The so. God of Rock. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. There you go. Do you know who Bob Larson is? Uh, Bob oh, Larson man. used to do all these, uh, the evils of rock and roll music seminars oh, in churches. Oh, and wow. he wrote like this all book. all over. Yeah. All he, over. Yeah, all over. Yeah. He, uh, he wrote this book called The God of Rock where he would tell these just sordid debauchery stories of all these <laughs> rock bands and talk about devil yeah. worship and all these bands. And, it was crazy. And, uh, yeah. So, and yeah. he used to do like uh, exorcism or something. He did oh, yeah. it on the air one yeah. time and it was, so I used to listen. I really feel like that's missing from the evangelical world today. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to bring that back. Yeah. It, it was, been, oh, he was entertaining, hey, man. Where is yeah. Bob? What's he up to now? I don't know. I, nobody I don't know. knows. I'm, I'm not looking for We need for to call him. him and get him on the podcast. <laughs> we should Google that and yeah. see what Bob's up to. Where is Bob Where Larson are they now? now? Yeah, yeah. Go. Bob Larson. He works at Kmart somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. K-M-A-R-T. Right? M-A-R-T. Yeah. 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 Or M-A-R-K if you're depending on where you live. Yeah. Kmart. Kmart. <laughs> marks but uh but yeah so uh accepted christ man and and i mean you know my call to the ministry and was running and finally said this is it i was a part of a a local baptist church here and ended up uh (laughs) the first ministry i was a part of was the drama ministry (laughs) and so and and here's the deal so what was funny is the first um thing i did was a uh i played the devil in this play that was like this spiritual warfare deal. So I was still struggling with my call. And my first sermon, I never forget my first sermon. My first sermon was Ephesians 6, the briefing of a soldier that just kind of went down all the the battle stuff. So was that the, drama <clears throat> Carmen's the champion? Uh, no, <laughs> but, but I did remember playing pieces of that. That okay. was, yeah. I, yeah. I used to do that I, as a kid. Did you Ray really? Bolt songs, Carmen songs. Those yeah. made great drama. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was a part of the drama yeah. too. Dude, I never knew that. that well, this is going to sound kind of racist, but I never knew a white guy could have a <laughs> 10 minute song. Like, that just blew my, I'm thinking, <laughs> and it didn't feature anybody, but him. No, right? it was just, it was just him. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. He's still singing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you need to listen to progressive rock with me because all of those songs are ten minutes plus. Are you serious, dude? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't do it. So I was exposed to Carmen, Patty, Patty, Sandy, Sandy Patty, Patty mm-hmm. Amy Grant, and all those guys. And so I was probably the only brother exposed to a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but man, it was kind of cool because I I had kind of a a well rounded. Uh, understanding of kind of where people came from. So yeah. when I would meet people, we would talk about the Bible, talk about Christ, talk about whatever they were doing. I always had kind of a foundation of where that was. Plus, when we did comedy, they used to teach us. They always used to teach us that you know you have to find some way to connect, and then once you connect, then you can take them yeah. wherever you want to take them. So yeah. I have no idea what the question was that you're asking <laughs> me now. You're, but, you're uh, getting there. You just I, haven't yeah. gotten there yet. Gotcha. Let's land the plane. Gotcha. You okay. Know? Cool. So, so, so then heading I say, towards City of Ref- yeah, Refuge. So yeah. So City of Refuge. Fast forward. Here's a little known Neil Scoggins fact. City of Refuge. <laughs> City of Refuge was. I tried to start City of Refuge. Um, while I was actually on staff at another church. Uh-huh. 
not as a church plant, but as a ministry to reach a couple of folks that did not like regular church. Right. I mean, they just couldn't do it. We did a Saturday night service. We did a whole bunch of different things and uh, it didn't work. So the pastor, I ended up getting fired from that church. <laughs> <laughs> so um, why? So, yeah, it was just, it was so different. I mean, you know, we cleared out all stuff from the pulpit and the whole deal. So uh, when I left, I was like, you know what? City of Refuge still is in my heart. So I tried to do it by myself. And it was that was the worst thing in the world. Uh, and one of the guys, you know, I had some people around me and we did it as a Saturday night service as an alternative. And we we're going to flip it to Sunday morning and, and all of that. And it just never did work. So fast forward again, uh, I quit, you know, just stopped, said, man, I'm not going to deal with it. And then one thing led to another. My wife said, look, I know you're wrestling with this. You just need to step out. We just have to do what we need to do. Yeah. And that's why I knew I was married to the right one. Yeah. Because she said, look, I'm tired of either one of us not sleeping. Yeah. So we stepped out and started City of Refuge and uh, had a couple of folks and every excuse that I came up with was eliminated. You know, I don't have a place for anybody to say, hey, I'll let you borrow my sanctuary my worship area i said well you know uh, you're already doing some stuff i said well i don't have any money he said we'll do it free for a year mm -hmm. i'm thinking dude are you kidding me yeah wow. so people started to to kind of come and then i bumped into uh maybe a year and a half before i had a conversation with tim and willie mm -hmm. about you know doing city of refuge and all of that and then i ran away from it because i got scared and uh started again and ran into him again and we went to jason's deli again yeah and uh i mean man the rest is really history got connected with collegiate ministry did that for a while while launching city of refuge got a building on roosevelt road which is kind of in the hood you know it's down kind of it's down the street from the jail so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. come up with your own conclusion right on right and uh and man we just kept going you know what the end of this month we'll celebrate three years from our launch our official launch day yeah and in three years we have done more in three years than i thought we would do in 10. wow wow that's wow. awesome and it wasn't about numbers in the church but it was about the impact that right. we that, that we made and it was uh and that was hard for me yeah i mean that was a piece that was real hard for me for with church planting so yeah 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 did i land it yeah, you did good. Cool. You okay. did good. Gotcha. Try. So, okay, so you, you landed on Roosevelt, uh, which for people who don't know Little Rock, uh, you know, is kind of in the hood. No, no. <laughs> you know? It is it the is, hood. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roosevelt was uh, the road that went to Barton Coliseum where yeah. all the concerts that I went to growing up there occurred. And yeah. so uh, spent many a, many a... State fair. Not State fair. State yep. fair was down Fairgrounds there. on Roosevelt. Yep, yeah. All that stuff. So it's in the heart of the city. Yeah. Uh, and now you've moved to kind of reclaimed an existing church facility that closed down. Yeah. Uh, so from, you know, in a neighborhood, mm -hmm. uh, right. from kind of a city street storefront kind of place to uh, existing facility in a neighborhood. So so how has ministry changed, you know, moving from place to place? For you you know what? I'm going to tell you, it's totally different. Um, being right there on that main thoroughfare because yeah. you you see there are no, there are houses but not a lot of it's not a neighborhood right mm -hmm. you know you got to know where you're going right uh, you better know where you're going That's right. yeah. uh, but yeah. but it but it's tough because you get a different a lot of folks are transient I mean right. transient in a lot of different ways transient meaning they live different places day to day transient means they're going to be there seasonally because the large percent of the places or the folks that live in the area, they're rent houses. So right. they're going to be there six months to a year and then they're going to go, go. So that was Roosevelt. Moving to a neighborhood, there's this permanency. There's this, I mean, it's your home and you can't, 
this is going to sound real crazy. As a church plant, you can make a whole lot of mistakes when you're in a transient area. You hmm. can't make a whole lot of mistakes when you're in the neighborhood mm, because yeah. it, because they're there yeah, and they remember. Staying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll die before they will. You can mm. build a lengthy reputation uh, exactly. in that neighborhood, exactly, good or Ex- bad. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So we had to be very careful uh, in talking to the folks, the core group. Uh, I was afraid that they were afraid to move to the neighborhood, but we had to. Capacity just would not yeah. allow us to to stay where we were. Uh, we still have a connection. It's 4.4 miles from where we started, but uh, but the neighborhood is a little different. We did have a little challenge. There is a preacher, and I use that term loosely, in the neighborhood that was a little frustrated about us moving to the area for two reasons. One, I think he wanted the building that we're in, and I had to work real hard. Uh, and, you know, reading books and, and you guys teaching and coaching us and trying to remind us, wait a minute, you know, you need to be um, uh, being missional means that you kind of blend into the neighborhood. Don't come in and say, OK, we're here and, you know, you guys don't matter. But, you know, just to be a part of the neighborhood. So yeah. we had to work real hard to make sure that he was OK. But he was uh, a little frustrated because of the building. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other part was we were so open that anybody came and we have Hispanic guys coming playing soccer at the building. We have black and white coming to worship. So it kind of threw his world for a loop. So that, that was tough. Yeah. But a lot of folks in the area are still seem to be uh, excited that we're still there. Neighborhood association is excited yeah. that we're there because there's somebody in a abandoned building, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're yeah. taking up space. Yeah. I got a little yeah. traffic going. Yeah. So, cool. so you're saying an existing church had a problem with a church plant. I don't know anything yeah. about and, what and, you're talking about. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but here's the deal. This guy was, I mean, back in the day, the community had changed, but his mentality did. Yeah. Right? And it's, and it's not his fault. Right. I mean, it's really not his fault. It was how he was trained. It was mm-hmm. how he was raised. Yeah. So I feel like coming into the community, my, our responsibility is to welcome him, say, thank you for what you've done. But things have changed a little bit. Come along with us so maybe we can learn together. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we've been trying to do. Yeah. So you, you were really a part of kind of a first wave of African-American guys who were getting engaged with the ABSC and planting new churches. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen in Arkansas since you've planted? Man, you know what? Um, well, let me go back a little bit kind of previous to that. That was, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't necessarily like it. You know, they didn't really care for it. You know, I, we would blow them off and say, you know what, we're trying to do kingdom stuff. We would use all the buzz phrases. Yeah, we're doing kingdom stuff. But to guys that are territorial, the word kingdom is not in their vocabulary. Right. Uh-huh. So it's real tough for them to understand what we're doing. Um, I think the question you're asking is, what changes have we seen since we joined? Yeah, yeah since yeah. we've connected or affiliated. Changes, with yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's open. It's really an open door. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's an. It's 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 really more open. Uh, an open door to authentic relationships cross-culturally that I had a perception. See, I grew up here. So I had a perception of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention that was not really true. Hmm. The perception was that there was an ivory tower with a whole lot of money that looked down on everybody else. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and and knowing and connecting, building relationships and that deal kind of, it totally changed for me. So now I'm like, wait, wait a minute. It's not what we said it was. It's totally it's totally different. Folks are a lot, a lot more open. Uh, it's scary because you still have kind of that that wave of manipulators that kind of want to come in and ride on the coattails of authenticity. Uh, but uh, but it's I, it you know culturally it's changed. I, I found it interesting that 
uh, I think recently we brought on another part-time guy yeah. in our team, but before he came on, the white guys were in the minority on our team. Yeah. Cause yeah. we had yeah. Yeah. Uh, three African American, one Hispanic and three white guys. Yeah. 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 But we recently bought a guy on part-time and now I think we're even, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I think that Open was, a white guy quote. that was encouraging. I think, you yeah. know, just to see our team reflect a little bit of the ethnic diversity of our state. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, and if you're, you know, if you're in a predominantly one ethnic group area, you can see how your church or your team or whatever reflects that. Yeah. But to see our team start to take on some of the diversity, not only of Little Rock and, but just the state in general. Yeah. I think it's really encouraging to see even that shift over yeah. the last, what, six, yeah, six, seven, well, eight. Well, and here's, here's the thing about it that I, that I love. Uh, some things that you know, I didn't know that I'd ever see in my lifetime is it's not the black guys working with the black churches and the white yeah. guys working with the white churches. We're the church planting team that works with church plants and yeah. existing churches. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's urban or Delta or Northwest Arkansas or whatever, we're all involved in one another's stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and we each have, you know, kind of some affinities and areas that we focus on, but it's, you know, that's one of the things I've loved about this. And, and we're seeing that those connections happen across the board in churches in Arkansas. Yeah. And that was one of the things for me. I mean, just my, my whole life, I've never been, I've tried not to be pigeonholed into being, you know, just, okay, there's a black guy, whatever. Even when I did radio, it was like, you know, I just didn't do black radio. I did, you know, country and western i did some stuff with news i mean just just because the industry and i think uh i've tried to take personally i've tried to kind of take that in because think about it if you think about this there are not a lot of books on church planting specific to african the african-american experience right not a lot of you know so we didn't know what the deal was there was one book it was the nelson searcy book launch because it was free at the Mardell's table. <laughs> yeah. And so we would go and get it. And and all the guys, I'm serious, all the guys, I can name you six guys right now that read that book and were mm-hmm. like, man, that's it. Yeah. Too bad we don't have 200 people to, to just launch. drop somewhere. <laughs> yeah, to actually launch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we had to work through all of that, work through all of that. But but to see it uh, and to see a kingdom for real. Yeah. You know what? I, and I don't know if this is a question or not, but I kind of want to hit this. I, 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 I did Liberty. I did went to Liberty. I did a part online part there. But here's the deal when I started to, to understand unreached, unengaged people groups, you know, we, they would always take us to, you know, New Guinea or yeah. somewhere across. But then I started looking at zip codes and really understanding what a, an unengaged, unreached people group really is. There's an unengaged people group in the inner city. Yeah. There's a language of kingdom or a language of Christ or a language of, you know, the, the gospel that sometimes in the inner city, they just don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it just, nobody says it in a way where they go, oh, okay, you know, now I really get it. Yeah. So to me, I started looking at it and Tim Wicker and I had this conversation about, are we planters? Or are we missionaries? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we start to look at it and if you, if, if, if I look at myself as a planter, then I look at myself as a definite beginning and a definite ending. There's an end date, my planter. And then I may transition from planter to pastor. Right. But if I look at myself as a missionary, it really doesn't matter. There is no, you know, I may have a, I may have a, a run, a runway or a launch time, but I, that never really ends. Right. I just transition from one piece to another yeah. uh, in understanding the culture where I'm, where I am. So, and you never stop exegeting that culture where never. God sent you. Never. And, uh, never. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. and if you're a planter and you're at Roosevelt and you move to the neighborhood, but you're not a missionary. Yeah. Oh, you're going to die. You know yeah. what I mean? You yeah. will die. And here is it. And here is it. And, and we're seeing kind of a morphing happen with the church. I mean, there's there's some people that are like, oh, we don't. You know, this looks different. These are people that actually talk back. I mean, I'm I'm sitting next to somebody because on Roosevelt, you would have a uh, we had a doctor earned Ph.D. sitting next to a guy that was, you know, had done crack, you know, three days before. So that was, you know, so it was easy. That to was say. different. Yeah, it was. But you know what? Yeah. But the, <laughs> yeah, it was. But but the but the unique part about that was I know God put that together. Yeah. yeah. You know, God, did. I'm not that smart. I'm yeah. not I'm not I'm not smart at all. I I do know I'm smart enough to know that I'm not that smart. Mm. Yeah. And my wife tells me that all the time. <laughs> yeah. So so I knew that God had to put that together, but there was this there was this it was more than camaraderie, it was this desire to say, you know what, I have something that you don't have. But then when you put that same person in a neighborhood, now you still got a PhD right here, but it's sitting next to somebody that, you know, that gap is not too far. Right. You know. You have to kind of step your game up because this person's going to ask some questions. This yeah. person's going to challenge you a little more. Hmm. So I think the maturity level, but I had to be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So, you know, as you said, you know, from, from kind of an ivory tower to, okay, these guys are real kingdom minded. I think the ivory was a reflection of my skin tone. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm really Definitely. pasty. <laughs> and uh, that's what go. they were referring to. I we see it. this really pasty white guy up there. That's such. <laughs> you just standing in the window. I was just standing in the window like, looking out. Definitely. And, uh, <laughs> He's almost glow in the dark. So uh, anyway, uh, so we've seen some incredible things happen, amazing things happen in oh, Arkansas. Yeah. You yeah. know, with just the you know continued uh, diversity in our churches, not just ethnically but culturally, you know, as well. So many different expressions of the church, uh, languages being spoken. I think we're at eleven uh, different languages spoken wow. on any given Sunday now in Arkansas, wow. which is awesome. Yeah. So you know, you've seen kind of this. You've been on the front end of some of this transition and and seen this and now come on staff with us as well so so what are kind of your hopes and dreams as this continues and and you know what are some of the biggest challenges you think we still have to face you know what i, I here's the deal i think we still need to understand I, I i don't think that the 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 complete learning of the cultures is complete yeah. i think we still need to push to learn because here's the deal we're, we're cool to sit next to each other but do we really understand the historical whatever you do, yeah. do you do you really understand yep. why I respond the way that I do yeah and I think now we have the opportunity to to kind of engage in that uh, one of the big things man I'm gonna tell you is that there is a group of African-American guys that are frustrated but don't know what to do because the only thing that they've seen is the cufflinks and the shiny suits and the whole deal. And that's the only way you can go. Yeah. Uh, what I'm really, you know, and Stephen Bell and I, who also works on staff, we just, just came on staff not too long ago with the church planning team. Uh, we talk about all the time is that is that farm team, is yeah. that farm team, that, that safe place of guys that can come. Because the African-American, the traditional African-American church culture, you can't talk about leaving the church where you came from to do anything else because then you are a deserter mm -hmm. so to create an environment that's safe for those guys to say what's on their heart to communicate the call of god on their life but then give them a manifestation of an actual expression of that mm -hmm. you know 
I mean, think about it. If you think about everybody else's path, you know what? Hey, you uh, you go to high school, you whatever you do in high school, you go to college, you accept Christ and you go to seminary and then boom, you go to go to perfect. That's not the path that a lot of these guys are going. Mm. And my dream and I'm gonna be honest, man, my dream is to have that that path for everybody, that that mm. path is not just for the guy who lived with both of his parents or the guy who grew up uh. in whatever. But the guy that, you know, his life changed at, at 30 years old and then. Yeah. You know, after college and he's working at a factory and he's, you know, not really used to whatever is going on on the church scene. And but there's a place where he can go and grow and, and kind of get on that, get on, get on that path kind of down the road and in a planting or being a missionary or whatever. So that's what I'm looking for. Maybe my, you know, my sons are five and three and one probably not. But one, maybe, you yeah. know, that later on down the road, he'll say, you know what? Of course, you know, as a you got you, you got kids you talk your kids out of no don't go to vocational ministry get a job you know all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. but but you know one day they'll be able to say you know what there is a path there's an there's another option that i can take yeah you know uh in glorifying god so yeah that's that's what i really want to see yeah i i was reading uh david fitch is a professor at northern seminary and a great writer i'm reading a book called faithful presence by him and he, he made this statement on Facebook this week, and I'm chewing on this. It really kind of captured me, and I think it plays into what you said. He said, there's a place I go occasionally for coffee and study in a nearby wealthy white suburb in Chicago. He says, here I often get to listen into mostly white men study the Bible together. I notice the questions asked and the methods used to read the Bible, and these questions and methods would be so different if I listened in to a Bible study of black men in Inglewood or women in Gabon, Gabon Africa, or dot, 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 you yeah. know, wherever. And he says, the questions methods generally reinforce existing ways of life. This is the value of ethnography. You know, this is also why, if we want to grow, we need to read the Bible together with people who are not us. Oh man, yeah. And I thought, man, that is that is gold right there. It's uh, necessary. And, and I think we're seeing that happen more and more in oh, yeah. Arkansas. Oh you yeah, know, with our institutes, with our uh, cohorts, church planning cohorts, with our one day events, we're. Uh, you know, we're we're in this thing together. They're, the common bond is Jesus and church planting, you know, kind of deal. And then and then we're learning from one another uh, in the midst of that. Yeah. And uh, so that's exciting to me. Yeah, you know, and the cool part is you got you have to remember, you know, church planting. I mean, an intentional church is new. And I'm not trying to. This may sound like I'm stereotyping or whatever, but. But for the most part, the legitimate, intentional starting of a church is new yeah. in the African-American tradition. Yeah. You can say, yeah, the, you know, there are other denominations that do whatever. But, but for the most part, somebody got mad and then somebody <laughs> broke off and said, I'm taking my marbles and I'm going uh -huh. across the street. That's a white church. Too. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. It's just, you know, yeah, but they, that was the they only. name it unity. Yeah. yeah. But no, 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 no. They name it greater unity. Yeah. Yeah. Greater <laughs> unity. Yeah. No. Okay. So um, um, okay, to give you a prime example, yeah. the neighborhood I grew up in, I grew up in Glenview, which is a, a suburb of Rose City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Neil and I grew suburb. up in Rose City together. Uh, yeah, the there way. You go. <laughs> but, but, but right up the street or around the corner and up the street from my house, there's a church called there was well i'll name it it's new hope right yeah. new hope they won't listen i'm just telling you yeah. <laughs> so new hope and the pastor got angry at people at the church 
And he said, you know what? Forget it. I'm leaving. So he leaves the church. Next to New Hope is a community center, the Glenview Community Center. Two Sundays later, this guy starts a church in the Glenview Community Center and calls it Greater New Hope. <laughs> that church is in existence today. Wow. That was about 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. Wow. Which which proves that, you know what, church planting and intention. When you say church planting, you get this kind of huh look yeah. on your face yeah. when, when guys in certain cultures, because there is no intentional whatever. So yeah. so for me, I mean, think about it, you know, just to have guys plant church, just to have African-American guys plant churches. I don't think you know how far mm. that is. That's that's major. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. In Arkansas. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. That's major. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, just a beat behind. Stephen Bell and I were having a conversation. There was a time here in Little Rock that uh, Stephen, I know it's way off church planting, but it's yeah. kind of the story. But Stephen Bell, myself, and a guy named uh, Lonnie, uh, uh, I can't, Lonnie Brown, were the only three uh, staff youth pastor guys, staff guys at an existing church. Pay, I'm not talking about guys that get a stipend or whatever. Right. We were the only three. Wow. In the central Arkansas, where well, we could probably pull out the state. Black yeah. churches. Yeah. We were the only ones. Yeah. And of course, all of us ended up leaving and going to other stuff. Lonnie's past. He uh, passed away about a year or so ago. Mm. But, uh, but I mean, so if staff is new, where do you think church planting is mm. yeah. on the on the spectrum? So, I, you know, when you guys roll through and say, well, yeah, you're going to do this and, you know, cultural exegesis and missional community and all of that, I'm thinking, dude, they have no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. They've, you know, we, we've done it, but we just didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's part of being first wave, man. Yeah, it's, it's tough. the ground. Yeah, mm. it's tough. Well, uh, what uh, what are some advice you'd give church planters who want to reach their community? Maybe some across uh, some racial racial divides. You got any ideas? Starting places, things that you could tell guys. You you know what? Here the first place. You know, and it's gonna sound super spiritual, but you just you really just have to pray, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you really have to pray. Here's the deal: you have to pray with your eyes open. Hmm. Because if you pray with your eyes closed, you only see what comes out of your own imagination. Mm. But if you pray with your eyes open, you'll see what God brings to you. I didn't grow up, you know, I didn't grow up on Roosevelt Road. We, that was right. not the culture that I grew up in. But my heart was there when I saw what was going on there. You know, my heart still, we still go back, you know, and we were, we were there. But, but I think the first thing you have to pray, you have to ask God, okay, where is it? that I'm really supposed to be? Where's the place where you're actually sending me? If I'm really a missionary, where are you sending me? Yeah. You know, I think that's the first thing. Second thing is, you know what? If you're married, dude, your wife has to be on board. I mean, your 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 wife and family have to be on board. If you got teenage kids or whatever, that's true, they have to be on board. And then be a student, be an expert of where you say God sent you. Yeah. Nobody could tell me about that spot where we were off Roosevelt better than I could. You can't uh -huh. tell me a whole lot about it. I I have to be an expert of of the area that I say that I'm planted mm -hmm. in. If I'm not an expert, then I'm a hired gun and I'm temporary. Lots of conversations, lots of relationships. Oh man, lots built. of time. Lots yeah. Of time. Lots of time. It's a you know, it's a marathon not a sprint. You know, you take your time and do whatever you need to do, connect with whoever you need to connect with. 
uh, face your fears because it was scary. I mean, you know, on Roosevelt, man, we were right there next to it was a bail bonds place on one side. It was a beauty center or a beauty supply store on the other side. Uh, across the street was a club. Uh, kind of catacorner down the street was a transitional living facility that is listed in the phone book as a senior living facility. <laughs> you know, then the jail is down the street, and then you have, uh, I mean, just rent houses, and then a little further down liquor stores, and then you go a little further another barber shop. And so you, I, I, you know, I needed to be an expert on what happened. Not only what was going on there now, but here's the deal. I, I, I learned this from a friend of mine, you know, in that whole cultural exegesis when you try to figure out what that culture is really about. Don't just look at what the culture is now, what the area is mm-hmm. now. How did it get there? What's the story of What's the neighborhood? The sto- That's it, man. Yeah. What, what is the story? You know, and I, I began to tell people about the area where we were, that the reason that it kind of went down, because back in the day, it was thriving. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a hot spot. Yeah. You know, everything that, you know, everything was coming to their businesses, hotels. That's why the, the buildings are there. But and then Barton Coliseum was down the street when they built another arena somewhere else and took those large events mm-hmm. away, except that one yearly event, mm-hmm. the state fair, people started moving. Yeah. Folks started leaving out of houses. You go from owners to renters, which hmm. you know that the property value goes down. And then when the property value goes down, the businesses start to leave. When those businesses that are viable start to leave, those cheaper businesses come in. Yeah. And this is no this is no slant or whatever. Liquor stores are cheap to run. I mean, you, you can yeah. roll in a liquor store. You can roll in a transitional living facility. You can do a lot of stuff. That's what happened to the area. So when you look at the history of an area, that's why you have to be an expert as a church planter, as a missionary. You got to be an expert on, you know what, not only how we how, how you know what we look like now, but how did we get there? And once you figure out how you got there, then you'll be able to say, OK, God, now that we're here, what do we do? Yeah. It's kind of like the children of Israel. You know, you hey, I want to be free, want to be free, want to be free. And then you get there and then you're like, OK, I'm at this red. So, OK, now I'm here. What do I do? Yeah, you know, and and you gotta wait for the <laughs> yeah. wind of God to blow, yeah, wow. for you to have a path to, yeah. to go. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not as deep as some of your other guests, man. I don't. I don't. No, this is good, man. Good. That's good. Yeah, good stuff. Um, it's good. It's good. What other questions, yeah. David? Yeah. We so, yeah. okay, so we'll just wrap up with this, and then we'll do rapid fire, which everybody's looking most forward yes. to. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you give one piece of advice, you know, to church planters starting out, do it. Don't don't do, do it. it. Okay, that's right. There you go. That's the one piece. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, seriously, that that's your one piece of advice. Yeah. No, 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 no. If somebody, if you know what, if you're called to do it, uh, man, you know, I've been thinking about this on the drive. I've been trying to think about what that one thing is. Yeah. I, you know what? Um, think of here. Here's a good exercise. Think of every reason why you shouldn't do it and lay out every reason why, man, there's no way I should not do that. Hmm. And then write all those down and then say, okay, but still, you know, should I really? Yeah. Write down every reason why you shouldn't. Yeah. Because all those reasons are going to come up later anyway. Right, right. Mm-hmm. When you're in the middle of it, you're going to say, man, you know, I know I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, you, you got to surrender, man. That's, yeah. that's the whole deal. Yeah. Hmm. Just, you know. If God's calling you to it. That's it. Got to do it, man. Yeah. Got to do it. Yeah. So how? what's something we could be praying for you about, uh, you, our listeners? You know what? Uh, just kind of what I talked about earlier, about that, that farm system of that pathway of guys that are out there, that want to plant, that, I mean, this is black, white, Hispanic, Swiss, Poland. It doesn't matter yeah. who you are. 
Uh, but if God has placed a calling on your heart and you don't look like everybody else that has planned it, maybe God could be calling you to a community that nobody has really reached, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, a lot of times guys don't do because they feel like, well, you know, nobody will do that. Nobody will do a inner city where nobody's going to come. Uh, but 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 investigate it. Check it out. Yeah. You know, come see Dave. He'll try, to, <laughs> he'll, he'll try to talk you out of it and then uh, jesus loves you and i have a wonderful plan yeah, for your he life does have a wonderful yeah. plan for your that's life right. that's right modified and go from there that's so, right i don't know if i answered that did i answer that question i don't know yeah okay sure yeah yeah, yeah. perfect don't it's perfect do it don't, don't do it, do it. <laughs> pray hard pray hard that's right <laughs> all right we're gonna move into rapid fire okay uh, all right the questions that our listeners are dying to know about Neil Scoggins. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Ten and a half. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to ask shoe size. Yeah. yeah. No. There you go. Uh, all right. Top one or two books that have had the most impact on you. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Traycraft is one. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a pretty good book. Um, I'm trying to think of another book that had... Um, Oh, um, it's it's a it, I call it the church version of from good to great. It was uh, breakout churches, breakout churches for me uh, for two reasons. One, because it kind of matched that good to great deal. But breakout churches for me had a guy in there that uh, legitimately was a he replanted a church uh, and had his story in there and how he really survived, kind of turned the church around. So breakout churches was a good one for me. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. What's your biggest strength and weakness in church planting? Yes. <laughs> oh, I, man. You know what? I think my biggest, <laughs> I, 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 I'd like to think, I don't know. You, you tell me, but <laughs> I think my biggest strength is vision. I think I can see. And my biggest weakness is that's all I can do. I can see. Because the deal is, man, I can see it. But boy, trying to put, you know, the steps to mm. it, I need some organized people yeah. around hey, me. You're a great communicator, too. You get Neil up in front of people and magic happens. I'm telling you. I'm it's say. like, yeah. It's, it's good stuff. He, he gets on spiritual crack there for a moment. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's awesome. I hate boring church. That's what I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah there, you like there you go. There you go. All right, favorite hobby or pastime? Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Anybody that's that it. knows Neil Scoggins oh, knows that it is all about the Cowboys. It's all about the Cowboys. Yeah. That's it. it. It was a good year. Like, you had a good fall, didn't we? You? did. We did. Hey, you know what? Your we mood won. was and, lifted. And then they there fell. You there you go. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, hey, uh, Dak Prescott did real good. Yeah. He looked like a rookie, but he played like a veteran because he lost in December like they normally do. But that's <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, He's a stud, though, man. Yeah. Oh, I man. love Dak Prescott. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, about as a player? What about favorite movie? Favorite movie? Uh, okay, it's not like Christian. Coming <laughs> it's totally to America. <laughs> Coming to America. I watched that uh, oh, a couple man. weeks ago. Dude. Love that movie. Who gonna pick up all these flowers? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only quote from that movie we could quote on this podcast. Yeah. But yeah. That was... oh no, it's a lot of them. You don't know no Martin Luther King. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a lot Luther of them. Yeah. Uh, just the barbershop scenes oh, in dude. that movie oh, are dude. worth the movie. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, that's great. All right. Uh, favorite band or musician? Uh, man, I love Luther Vandross. Mm. I, you know, man, he was... Smooth. Smooth for real. Yeah. He, uh, band, okay. 
So I like Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> and the white version of Earth, Wind, and Fire, <laughs> which is Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> That is the truth. That is the truth. You're right. There you go. We just got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall. That's right. That's right. Indeed. Yeah. They're awesome. That is funny. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up. So, uh, thanks, Neil, for coming. And, and uh, guys, if you if you have not gotten to know Neil Scoggins, your your life is lesser for it. And uh, always entertaining, always funny, and uh, so glad that. Uh, not only is he planning City of Refuge, but he's come on staff with us to help us plant other churches around the state, and uh, we're just having a whole bunch of fun. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, Indeed. yeah. So, uh, all right. So, thanks, Neil. Appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate you. Well, great time with Neil. Uh, love that guy. Uh, you know, we we grew up in the same neighborhood. His cousin Pam was a good friend of mine all the way through high school. Neil's a couple old, couple years older than me, and I remind him of that quite <laughs> often. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, he's about to be fifty, and uh, I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> but love, love Neil, and guys doing some amazing things from him. And he said a couple of things that I think really, really important for for everybody to hear. You know, one, he made the big distinction between uh, being a planter or being a missionary. Yeah. And and we really try and drive that home uh, with all of our church planters. I mean, you're not just planting a church with a service that gathers on the weekend. Mm. You, you're, you're going into a neighborhood trying to immerse yourself in a community and exegete the culture, understand the the narrative of the community, and how you can intersect uh, that community with the gospel, and and to live that out in proclamation and demonstration. Mm. And and so the only way to be able to do that and, and be effective is if you look at it, you know, like a mission field. Uh, you you wouldn't go to Indonesia without understanding the culture, understanding the language, understanding what you should do and what you should not do. Same thing with any community here in Arkansas, because every community has a story. Every community has a flavor. And the more you know that, uh, you know, he said that nobody's going to know Roosevelt Road better than me mm. because I'm going to do my homework. Yep. Every church planner should be able to make that statement yep. about their context. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I heard somebody say recently, we don't so much plant churches as we plant the gospel that results in churches. Yeah. Oh, that was a good way to say that. I think that's that whole planter versus missionary idea. And I think we make a lot of assumptions about our context that lead us to just saying, hey, I know I could do this, this, and this and grab a crowd. Yeah. But with the missionary mindset, the the hardest to reach people who are far from from God. And so you've got to do way more preparation, way more of that culture exegesis, way more connecting with people, connecting to the context, if you're going to really win people to Christ and do evangelism like we talk about. So very, very important distinction I think that he made there for sure. And and I thought it was interesting, and it plays into what you just said, if if you're just planting a service, you're wanting to gather a crowd. Mm. Well, where they were on Roosevelt, uh, there's not really a neighborhood to speak of other than a transitional kind of living place. I mean, there's Mm. homeless down there, uh, a lot of rent houses, and so the people you had coming in and out of there either didn't live there or didn't live there long. Right. So if your goal is to plant a service and gather a bunch of people it's not going to happen be tough in a transient community yes very much so but if you're thinking like a missionary then while you've got the people there 
you know, while you have an opportunity to impact them, you can have huge impact that then spreads beyond Roosevelt Road. Um, and, and then, tra- you know, comparing and contrasting that with the neighborhood in which they, they're in now, uh, I thought it, you know, kind of a great insight that you could mess up a lot of things in a transitional neighborhood, but in a permanent neighborhood, you can't mess those same that things insightful. up. That yeah. was because they have long memory. And ha- I mean, you, you know, we've all pastored or youth pastored somewhere where you talk to somebody that used to be a member of that church or whatever, mm. and they won't come back because of something that happened or they offended a family member or something like that. There is long memory in some of those neighborhoods. You build so, a reputation, yeah. you know, and it, it Good helps or or hinders you when yep. you're in a situation like that. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and so the better you know the story of that community and that neighborhood, the better, you know, impact and, uh, you know, ability to effectively share the gospel yeah. and communicate. I, I think it changes your metrics too because, yes. it's like you said, when you're in a transitional community or maybe you're, a collegiate focused church or you just got some people who are not going to be there in a year or two or three. That's right. You've got to change. You got to have a different set of metrics because you you can't just want to gather a crowd that keeps going and growing and growing. Your your emphasis is going to have to be on sending and then telling the story about the people that you send out. And, you know, these people were here and now they were sent here and this is what God's doing with them there, which is, I think this day and age and the, you know, bigger is better. And it, it, that's a tough, yeah, a tough calling, a tough place to be. But I think there's a lot of kingdom impact there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And I'll tell you, uh, just, just visit city of refuge one Sunday and you'll see, uh, the incredible impact they're having. Uh, it's a very diverse congregation and, uh, both ethnically and, uh, culturally, uh, socioeconomically, uh, it's it's. I mean, he's done an incredible job I, there. I think Neil too. You know, these guys have had a lot of courage stepping into the to, to stepping into the ABSC, stepping yeah. into a traditionally uh, mo- almost exclusively white middle class middle class. You know, and and for a guy to step in and kind of walk through some of the punches, if you will, yeah, endure some of the awkwardness, yeah. Uh, to pave the way for really, I think Willie, Neil, Steve, there's a, there's a movement of sorts Yeah, that these yeah. guys, that God's using these guys, but had they not stepped into it and yeah. w- Willie really first, right. Uh, and kind of paved the way they were willing to do some of the things, uh, deal with some of the stuff. Yeah. And that's a lot of courage and it's to be commended. And I, I have a ton of respect for, yeah. Just being able to serve with those guys. And, yeah. uh, you know, we need more people who are willing to step into those type of situations. Yeah. I don't know why you said step in it. That's probably not the best <laughs> yeah. analogy. But, you know, yeah. coming come to those places yeah. that it's it's not going to be easy for you, but you know that the impact could be huge. Yeah. Uh, Phil Hall, who used to be on our church playing team, said one time, you know, when I first came over here, we were doing some new things with younger, more innovative guys. And he said, and it was hard. I mean, it was very hard. And he said, Dave, he said, anytime you plow a field for the first time, mm-hmm. it's full of rocks and stumps and it's rough and it's hard and you get bumps and bruises and all that stuff. He said, but the next time you plow it, it gets a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And the next time you plow it, it gets a little bit easier. And so these guys are the kind of the tip of the spear in, in a lot of ways to, yeah. to pave the way. And each time gets a little bit easier, a little bit smoother. And, uh, and I tell you, it, God really is doing some amazing things. Yeah. 
Uh, and yeah. Willie, Neil, and Stephen are the are the tip of the spear on that deal. Yeah. Uh, Jarvis Smith in in West Helena, Jarvis as well. Um, yeah. Just incredible guys. Uh, God's God's raised up for such a time as this. Uh, I yeah. think. I think so. Great conversation with Neil. All right, we're going to kick it to uh, story time with Uncle Dave today uh, because Neil was on uh, being interviewed on the podcast. You just kick it over to yourself. Just kick it over to myself. It's story time with Uncle Neil. All right, our story this week comes from Terry George at Sanctuary Church in Bono, Arkansas, just outside of Jonesboro. And over the last several weeks, they've seen some incredible things happen. Uh, Terry's been going for uh, almost a year now uh, with Sanctuary Church, and they have had six professions of faith and have baptized four uh, in the last couple of weeks and have uh, have scheduled the other two baptisms for the next uh, in the next coming weeks. And so guys doing some incredible things there. And uh, they've got some home groups beginning to start. God has blessed them with a rent-free facility, uh, at least for a while, until they can find a more permanent place. And so every step of the way over the last several months, God seems to be answering prayers for Sanctuary Church in Bono. So continue to pray for them as they have a gospel impact in the city of Bono outside of Jonesboro and that he will continue to, his name will continue to be lifted up. So great job, Terry and Patsy George. Well done. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right, today on the bookshelf, uh, I've got a book by a guy named Wayne Cordero, who's a pastor suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. Yes. Uh, serving the Lord down there. It's a book I think maybe you have referenced at one point or another. I can't or, remember. Uh, we can't remember. We're like 18 episodes in at this point. Well, so. I guess it's good that if we can't remember, maybe you don't remember. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, But it's, it's uh, called Leading on Empty, and it came to me and my wife at a really good time in our church planting process when we were a few years in and, uh, you know, had been through the grind of church planting. Really, really, really great experience in our church plant. But uh, we were really feeling, I think, the accumulation of years in church planting. So it's a great book. He tells his story of burnout, which is not what we experienced uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but he really did have a, a breakdown of sorts. But there's a lot that you can identify with in his struggle with his church. Uh, and how he kind of needed to, uh, especially the part where he talked about his identity being wrapped up in his church and how he needed to walk away from that and, and, and kind of be unraveled from that. And that process of burnout kind of did that for him. Yeah. Uh, and when he came back, uh, he put into place some rhythms that I thought were really good. I think he takes like four to six weeks off every summer, which would be nice, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. not all of us can do that. But putting in some rhythms... Uh, to make sure that you protect yourself from burnout. So I think I think you could learn a lot, especially if you're feeling yourself maybe on the edge of burnout. You can learn a lot from his story, but then take some of those practical applications and uh, try to apply them to your life where you need to 
to rest and get some good healthy yeah. rhythms. Cordero yeah. is an incredible preacher yeah. too, uh, an amazing preacher, and uh, and just has an encouraging spirit about him. That book is very encouraging. That hey, you know this this season of of burnout or whatever doesn't have to be your life. Yeah, and uh, uh, just just great great stuff. Well, my book this this week is a little bit different. I uh, picked up uh, The Heaven Promise by Scott McKnight. Uh, and as you can imagine, it is a book about heaven. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, uh, just just a fantastic book. I, you know, you get all the, we, we talked about, you know, reviewing heaven is for real. You know, it's a great book on heaven. No, that's not a great book on heaven. Don't go to heaven is for real if you want to know about heaven. Uh, but McKnight's book is very balanced and he really kind of makes a couple of distinctions that I think are really helpful uh, between kind of a theocentric view of heaven and a kingdom centric view of heaven hmm. and talks and, and he doesn't really advocate one or over the other, but a blending of the two and we have given a lot of attention to a theocentric view of heaven, but not much a, to a kingdom-centric view of heaven. And if you've read anything by Scott McKnight before, you'll know that he is all about the kingdom and a new heavens and a new earth. And But one of the even cooler things about this book that I love is he looks at some of the promises about heaven in Scripture, but at the end of the book, he addresses specific questions that people have about mm-hmm. heaven. What does the Bible say about uh, you know, these near-death experiences we hear about all the time. And he says what he's found is he's studied these and, and and you know, no doubt that they had some kind of experience. He said, but their experience always reaffirms what they already believed about heaven and has nothing to do with the Bible. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. uh, so it's just pretty fascinating. You know, what about rewards in heaven? Who's going to be in heaven? You know, are, are pets going to be in heaven? Uh, you know, what about cremation? What about purgatory? And all these questions about heaven and just so good because his, his common statement is, okay, so what does the Bible say about this? Hmm. He continues to come back to scripture on any of these. So, so if you're looking to do a study on heaven or do a sermon series on heaven, I would highly recommend picking this book up and working through it. Just a, a great resource for some specific questions a lot of people have about heaven and what the Bible actually says about it. So Heaven Promised by Scott McKnight. Great stuff there. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of The Grind. As always, check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, our website as well, Church Planning Team page. Uh, You can send your church planning stories, comments, emails to thegrind at absc.org. We have sent books to uh, Carrie Weaver and Peter Cunningham for writing a review for us on iTunes. So if you guys will write a review on iTunes, we will draw your name out of a hat. And uh, uh, whoever gets drawn that week will send a free book. And so we'd love to have you do that. We've got a few few reviews up on iTunes now. So uh, do that for us. Check us out. Uh, we also have a new uh, Grind Twitter uh, page, which is... Uh, the Grind AR. The Grind AR. I always forget that for Well, I made a mess of it last time. You so did. So sure it was my turn to make a mess of it this time. the Grind AR. Yeah, the Grind <laughs> AR. So check it out. Follow us on there, and we'll follow you back. And you'll uh, see some highlights from the podcast and some different things coming up. Uh, got some exciting stuff coming up. I'll probably tell uh, in a couple of podcasts from now. I want to confirm a couple of things before we do that. But we got a couple of 
uh, potential one-day events that you guys are going to want to know about. I think will be real exciting. Uh, also, make sure you got August 19th on your calendar. Uh, Jared Wilson will be joining us in Northwest Arkansas for a one-day event and uh, at University Baptist Church there. So more information about that coming. And uh, we've got some exciting guests coming up. Doug Hickson from South Dakota, Spearfish South Dakota will be on coming up. Uh, we've got uh, Kyle and Zach Reno, the Reno brothers, uh, planting Summit Church in Conway and Saline County. That'll be a fun interview, those guys. Uh, their accents match mine. So uh, that will be, uh, that'll be a fun rednecky kind of podcast. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Keep grinding.